Hi, welcome to Into the Zeitgeist. My name is David Waters, and I'm joined as always by my friend and colleague, Shannon, the Don't Push Her Buttons, Boffman. <laughs> hey, Shannon. Next. How's it going? It's going okay, I guess. It's Friday. It is Friday. It's good Friday, in fact. Oh, yeah. I forget about that. <laughs> yeah, my, my sister, she works uh, daycare, and so, like, they had their Easter, I guess, like, Easter egg hunt. Is that is that what they do? Yeah, they do that. Um, yesterday, and so she had the day off, and then I was like, we, yesterday we went to go watch a movie, and... Um, what we went to go eat this nice Mexican restaurant called Del Rios in Ooh. New Braunfels, and it, oh my god, it was so good! And I ate before I got on, so I'm not hungry like I was last time. <laughs> what movie did y'all watch? Oh, we went to go watch. Um, it's called Juju Kaitsen. Have you ever heard of it? Mm-mm. No, it's just like an anime that my sister really likes, and I was like, sure, I'll, I'll go see it if, uh, like, I can keep up with the story at least. And yeah, and for the most part, it was it was pretty good. So cool, yeah. For the uninitiated, and the Zeitgeist is our biweekly comedic research podcast where we explore touchstones of the past and drag them back up to be talked about and shit like that. So, Shannon, how are? You know, I don't, before we get into purging our sins, which it's your week and I'm excited to hear your, your story about this. Um, I think that, uh, I want to ask you what you've been watching as of late. Like, Cause you asked me last time what I was watching and I was like, oh, I'm going to ask Shannon what she's been watching lately. Um, so, uh, so ironic you asked me that now oh. because, uh, was it? Mon- Sunday or Monday, I finally gave in and I started Bridgerton. <gasps> yes, yes, I'm glad you did. <laughs> oh, you know of it? Oh, okay. yeah, I sure do. I sure do. It's a good show. It's a good show. Oh, I'm about five episodes in. It just got to the ending where Daphne announced, like, she doesn't care that the Duke can't have children. They're going to get married, uh, and then it ends. That's where I left off last. Oh, okay. And now you got a new season to watch, too, so yay. I know. I can't even... I Yeah, I don't know. There's so much on right now, though. Like, I need to catch up on... There were all the Law and Orders were on last night, and so I need to watch all of those. Oh, yeah. Um, Survivor on Wednesday was like a special two-hour episode. Wait, isn't, <laughs> isn't it close to the end for survivor for this year um so we just they just became individual players so i think there's still like at least a month or so left okay no nice nice i always enjoy hearing your survivor updates (laughs) um i really enjoy this season it's a really great season i think even if you pop in now like a lot of the times when i rewatch a season i'll start like post-merge because I don't really care about all the before stuff. Um, So if you jump in now, I think you can still catch up and have a good time. Um, But I'm interested, though. I guess I feel like maybe you told me you watched Bridgerton, but I didn't yeah, I, you I, approve. I I do approve. <laughs> you know what's another show that I really enjoy? Have you ever watched Downtown Abbey? I knew you were going to say that. I haven't, but I feel like 
and now I'm in the world, so it's up next. Yes, yes. That's, that's a good one. I really, like, comparatively with Bridgerton, like, I'd put Downtown, uh, Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. <laughs> uh, Downtown Abbey, like, above Bridgerton, just because, I don't know, the, like, house politics in, or not Bridgerton, and, um, in Downton Abbey, it like reminds me of Bridgerton in that way, but except with like relationships instead of like running a household. And so. Okay. I could see that. So I will say like it took me a minute because I think I'm not usually a fan of period dramas because it's really hard for me to like put myself in their shoes and like, I don't know, really be involved in the story like I am with my law and orders and everything. Um, But as I got a few episodes in, I was like, oh, like, I did just disassociate for an hour thinking that I was living like Daphne. This is great. Like, I get it. Okay. Right, right. It's it's a good show. It's a good show. I can't can't put my finger on it exactly how how it makes me feel, but... um... Yeah, no. I like, I like that. Um, I mean, it's Shonda Rhimes who I love. Um, she did Grey's Anatomy, um, Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder. Um, she's an amazing writer. But what I really like about Bridgerton is that she, they don't just feed the audience, but they like let you know things and they like, are like, okay, the audience is just going to have to be smart enough to figure this out. And I really like that. Wait, is that the one where the dude accidentally dies in the room and they think that she did it? Um, uh, yeah, that's like the first season of How to Get okay. Away with Murder. It's not just a dude, though. That's like her husband. How to Get Away with Murder was an excellent TV show. Highly recommend it. But I am really, like, I just, I'm surprised at how much I am enjoying Bridgerton and um, just, like, how it doesn't, like, I don't know, patronize its audience. Like, it's, okay, what I'm thinking of is there was a scene I watched, I want to say it was pretty early on, but it's Eloise, Daphne's sister, Mm -hmm. and then the brother that doesn't have the sideburns i don't know the brother's name but they're like sitting outside smoking and there's this just cute quaint little scene where they both like come out of the closet to each other but they don't like explicitly say it Mm -hmm. and i just really adored that i loved it i thought it was it's just very well done yeah that show is really good i I want to go and now that the second season's out, I might, you know how Netflix has that nice little recap before, um, like a new season or something. I, th- I think that'll be my way back into it. Definitely. It's been a while. I watched it when it first came out. That's how long ago it was. I promise this isn't about Bridgerton, but I do have to say, like, one last thing, because I think I accidentally heard, like, a major spoiler when I was listening to a celebrity gossip podcast. I feel like by now, anyone who's watched Bridgerton has probably 
or who's going to watch Bridgerton has already watched it, yeah. <laughs> um, except for me. So, but does the Duke die? The dude? The Duke. Uh, oh, mm, I don't, not, not where I'm at now, but I think he might. I could see, I could see that happening. I was listening to this gossip podcast and they're like, this one season wonder who was on Bridgerton. And then they, I'm almost certain they said the Duke's name, Reggie, Jean, whatever. I'm sorry. I don't remember. I, I know he hosted SNL though. And I, she was saying like he was only in it for one season. So I was like, wait, does he die? Hmm. Guess I'll have to find out. I don't know if he dies. Like I'm gonna be real mad at the show. (laughs) Shame on shame on the uh, that podcast for spoiling it for you. (laughs) Well, wait. So have you not finished Bridgerton? Uh, like I said, I watched it a long time ago, and I'm, I oh. think I'm getting pieces mixed up with Downtown Abbey because I think in Downtown Abbey, I think like one of the like before you mentioned getting away with how, how to get away with murder, like I was, I think I was thinking about Downtown Abbey where some somebody dies in their room from a heart attack and they had to go like hide him or something. <sighs> yeah, it's <sighs> I'm trying to think. I can't distinguish the two right now because because it's different periods, but still, it's well. I'm like, it's, aesthetic. Is Bridgerton even a real period, though? Like, well, I that's... consider that like Victorian, and then like Downtown Abbey's like 1930s, 40s, I think. But is Bridgerton supposed to be like true to life or because oh. it almost comes off as like an 18th century utopia, you yeah, know? You know, yeah, you're actually right about that because like <laughs> all they're worried about is gossip. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. That's probably a good, a good thing to check up on. Like I said, it has been a while and I'm, I'm curious because now I'm, I haven't watched a lot of things on Netflix and. I'm always trying to find. I've been watching the regular show. Do you know? Nice, yeah. yeah I know it's it's easy watching, and I just like every day I come home at delivering from Domino's, and I'm just like, ah, I'm gonna pop on a few mind numbing episodes of regular show. That's fine. I feel, <laughs> I feel that. I also recommend when you just need to turn your brain off, Judge Steve Harvey. Judge Steve Harvey. <laughs> So like, good. <laughs> like the one we like whenever I would stay home sick. I think he I think he he's still on? Oh god. So he he still has family feud as well, I think, but now he has like a court TV show and he's a judge. Oh weird. That's it's not weird. real. Like he's not really a judge and he says that, but like if you just need to turn your brain off, that show is gold. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> It's like Judge Judy, but with Steve Harvey. Yeah, and like he, I don't know, he's funny. Like Judge Judy's a real judge, you know. She's like, yeah. Steve Harvey's like, you must think this is a real courtroom, right? (laughs) (laughs) This is the court of public opinion. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad he's on it, though. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, Shannon. Well, I think we've uh, warmed up our our uh, talkings. Uh, do you want to go ahead and jump in? I don't. 
actually, I think we may have one piece of housekeeping to talk about. Yeah. Um, so Shannon and I, well, I think it was mostly Shannon's idea that <laughs> we, so just to put it in context, one day I get this message from Shannon and it's like, David, we can't follow anybody else on Instagram. And I was like, Oh, why, why, why can't we? Did, did I follow the wrong person or something? And she was like, no, it's at 69. And we, we can't accept any more, uh, Instagram followers. So we were thinking that, um, basically if you, as an audience, if you want to go and rate our, um, show either on Spotify or on iTunes and message us DM on Instagram. Uh, let us know that you subscribed and I'll, I'll go confirm it or whatever. And, uh, we'll follow you. Yeah. That, we'll unfollow a- someone else to follow you. Yes. And David, uh, you are a little mistaken. We can still have followers. So please follow us. Yes, please. We just as like an Instagram account right now, we're following 69 people. And when you look at our page, if that does not just give you the essence of who we are. <laughs> if it doesn't make you giggle and think about <laughs> then we've done our job wrong. <laughs> so subscribe. Give us a five-star review and subscribe and let us know and we will unfollow someone else. Yes, we will. We'll, we'll have to <laughs> scour through scour through the Instagrams uh, who follows me and Oh, trying to find somebody to kick off that that's uh that's something I think I think we're actually following my coworker who's leaving on Friday and broke my heart. So Mackenzie, you'll be first to go if you uh. don't so. <laughs> <laughs> Well Shannon, uh now that we got that out of the way, you wanna get into purging our sins? I do. Mine's really bad this week. Is like it? Don't come for me. Yeah. So uh, the reason I'm going twice is uh, I actually totally forgot I had this sin for Tamagotchi last week. Like part of the reason I was like, I'm not feeling Tamagotchi today was because I didn't know what my sin was going to be when I did. Anyways, um, so I think. More people know this about me now, but it's still not something I talk about super often. Mm -hmm. But when I was in high school, me and one of my friends were selected to participate in like this ag science fair. We were both in an ag class Uh and there was going to be some ag science fair. And I want to say our ag department, like, had some kind of grant to, like, make sure students got involved in the science fair. And so because we did that, they were able to um, use that money to get both my friend and I a pig. So there were two pigs. And we each had a pig. And the point of our science project was um, we were going to let her pig listen to classical music, Mm -hmm. and my pig had to listen to rock music. And um, and they had little radios in their pins, and we just, like, played it constantly um, to just kind of see what it'd do to them. Like, 
There was no IRB involved in the making of the science fair project. Like, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know. This was like 2010. Like, I guess they weren't as concerned. I don't know. But, um. What was your thesis on this? <laughs> or like our hypothesis? Yeah, yeah <laughs> thesis, hypothesis, whatever. I think. We said, like, we expect that the pig who listens to classical music will be more docile than um, the pig who listens to rock music, who may be more aggressive or something like that. Okay, okay. Um, Honestly, I probably made that sound way better than we did at 17. (laughs) Um, So, I don't know. I feel like there are several sins here, but I'll just start with the first one. So I had this pig. Um, we had an egg barn at our high school. It was kind of out in a field, um, and we were able to keep our pigs there. Well, we had these pigs for, like, a long time. Like, I don't really remember why we had them so long, but I know it was, like, January or February. We had these pigs, and... <laughs> school literally closed for snow and I was like I don't know like my pig's just out there in that barn (laughs) and so um and I would have to feed it every other day and so the first day it snowed um so my friend's pig was there too and her dad drove her out there and so she just fed my pig for me and then I didn't feed him the next day when it was really cold because it was his off day. Right, right. <laughs> and then it, like, the snow finally melted, and I don't know. I think my friend had taken care of this pig, like, all week for me. Like, <laughs> I hadn't, I don't know. This pig and I were not bonded very well. His name was Hamlet. He was so mean. He hated the radio. Like, I don't even think it was the type of music. I think he just hated it in general, and he would, like, kick it around. And then, um, but yeah, so for whatever reason, like, my friend was helping me. I didn't see this pig for, like, a week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And a week in, like, Tamagotchi, your little homie is long past dead. Yeah, yeah, Um, a couple hours, I'd say. Yeah, I'm sorry, y'all. I live next to a train. But, um, so I go out, uh, like a week later to see my pig, and he is just done with me. He's like, girl, who are you? You haven't been here. Like, you have not fed me. Um, it bit me. (laughs) Oh, this pig bit you. I still have, like, a scar on my ankle from where it bit me. (laughs) And then, yeah, and so... Like, that was bad, and I honestly, even today, feel kind of guilty for that and kind of hold myself to, like, a standard of, like, if I'm going to do something and commit to it, like, I have to understand, like, my piece of responsibility in whatever I'm committing to. Right, right. Um, and, and oftentimes, too, I and I've told students this, that like piece of responsibility like if I can't justify that that's what I'll use when I say no like I'll be like no I'd really like to but I have this commitment at this time you know like but so anyways along with that's a hard hard lesson learned (laughs) 
<laughs> There's like a part two. <laughs> oh, Lord. So for whatever reason, I guess because we had the pigs and they were just given to us, the art teacher was like, you're going to show them. Oh. And I was like, hmm. Do you know what's involved in training pigs to be shown, David? I do not. You have to, like, whip them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you have to, like, hit them with a whip and teach them, like, direction. And, like, I don't know. I mean, this pig was a jerk, but I don't I don't like harming animals or anything. Like, so I just, like, would not do it. Like, they'd see me out there in the barn, and I would just kind of be, like, tapping him with the whip. Mm -hmm. And we'd, like, walk around a few times, and then I'd be like, okay, go back into your bed. <laughs> so show day comes. Uh-huh. And for whatever reason, I don't know. I mean, maybe this was for the best, but um, they let people walk out into the uh, – I don't know what else to call it. It looks like a rodeo uh, ground. I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like, just but, like an arena. Yeah, and so the pigs are all lined up. My pigs last. The first few pigs go, they walk around. My pig gets up to go. Mm-hmm. And they let him go into the arena. And he just runs into the middle of the arena. Oh my and gosh. starts going after all the other pigs uh. and I'm just like <laughs> and they had to like catch it and corral it and they were like we're sorry like you're not going to be able to show your pig and I'm just like I didn't even want That's to show so this pig <laughs> but that is probably like like, looking back on that, that's, like, one of my most embarrassing moments. Like, like, because there were people who were genuinely there to, like, show their animals who took this, like, as a sport very seriously. Mm-hmm. And then my pig is just, like, starts fucking around with theirs. And I'm like... Oh, my bad. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Pigs are... Pigs are cre- interesting creatures. My parent, my grandparents have a few out in East Texas, and hey, yeah, stubborn, stubborn heads. They are stubborn. They're smart too. Like I know this pig was smart, but he was a jerk and he was stubborn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it sucks when you a pig was self aware <laughs> in what he was doing. <laughs> You're like, I'm just gonna go fuck with these pigs, these other pigs. Damn, damn, Shannon, it's a hell of purging your sin. It's like if I can't even keep this pig in line, how am I supposed to be expected to keep a Tamagotchi alive? Right. <laughs> what grade was this? I I was either a junior or a senior. I want to say I was a junior. Oh, well, that's it. That's sorry, I didn't mean to yawn there, but uh, yeah. damn pigs that yeah. I, I, I was given the choice to do it but i was like i don't i don't want to i don't want to show no pig some people even did like cattle and i was like oh man you yeah. you're going going for it i guess and apparently that's like big money but i didn't want to get caught up in it i have a distinct memory in high school i won't say this person's name but <laughs> They showed chickens, and they got last place, and people were, like, so mean to this person about that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. 
Oh my gosh. We well, we were a real school, so like, it, understandably, like this is sorry. That was like the thing. They were like, "You got last place with your chickens." Like Jesus, that's a hell of a thing to be picked on for. Uh, Only in pilot point, right? Yeah, the showing animals, classic. Uh, Lord. Well, Shannon, you mentioned Tamagotchi. That's what we're doing today. Let's reminisce about it a little bit. Um, I remember, I remember always uh, we had them and I would be one of those kids that I would put it on my like key to the house mm-hmm. and it would always be in my pocket, just like, you know, phone keys, wallet, you know how you do today. It was like key. I didn't have a wallet back then because I was broke, but, <laughs> uh, and then my Tamagotchi. And this was, this was probably when I was, I don't know, what year did it come out? Uh, 96. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So shortly, like I was born in 94. And so it's been around majority of my life. I just remember mine would always die and I would have to use the, you know, the, it was like a mechanical pencil, but it was like those mm-hmm. ones where it was like you had so many cartridges and you had to keep stacking them or whatever. And I uh, I broke so many of those trying to reset my Tamagotchi. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had many Tamagotchis over my life. Um, not seasoned caregiver at all <laughs> from how many times I reset it, but uh, I definitely... I, I miss the days of, of like that digital pet. Uh, we, we were talking about it on a previous episode that it definitely less so because it was a toy, but the, the dog with the ticker over its eyes. Yeah. I, I feel I had a similar connection to that dog as I did my Tamagotchi. Yeah. I think it's something we may even talk again later now that you say that though is like, I think a lot of this is so in the zeitgeist, especially for millennials, because it's really our introduction to AI and what that was potentially going to look like and what it could potentially become. Um, So, yeah. Um, Have you watched that new Pixar? I think it's a Pixar Disney movie called Turning Red. I watched part of it, not all of it. Yeah, I did watch all of it. I thought it was really cute. Um, I thought the main character, she reminded me a lot of Tina Belcher from Bob's Burgers with her glasses. Um, but she has like a little Tamagotchi on her backpack and I saw that and I was like, ah, relevant. Um, and so I, that also made me wonder if like, you know, the movie's on Disney Plus. Like, are little kids going to see that? Is the Tamagotchi craze going to come back? <laughs> oh, hey, that's an interesting thought. Definitely. I would like to see that. They have they have newer Tamagotchis. That are yeah. Like, ones where you can take selfies with them, too. I saw that. Do you remember, like, what your um, Tamagotchi looked like? Uh, I think, doesn't everybody start as, like, a blob? I don't even think I Or no, like, your, your pod, like. Oh, yes, (laughs) it it was a green and blue one. 
Nice. It was like majority. The primary color was blue, but green was the the secondary color, like the rim, the, the what do you call it? Um, all the detailing or whatever, like the buttons were green too. And it matched. And I was like, ah, oh. it was, I think part of it was translucent. If memory serves me correctly. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I had one that was purple and translucent. And then I tried to Google this when I was researching this episode, but I'm, had like a Dalmatian themed one, like 101 Dalmatians themed. Oh, really? And like, I tried to find it, but like, I don't know. People were saying that it wasn't like a real Tamagotchi. Um, but I distinctly remember that one. I remember it because my mom would like try to help me keep it alive. Got <laughs> <laughs> your mom in on it too. Because, like, I don't know, I always really loved 101 Dalmatians as a kid. I still love that movie. But um, I guess she just knew, like, my attachment to it. So she would, like, try to keep me keep it alive. Aw, that's sweet. <laughs> Were you devastated whenever they died? You know, probably. But I don't remember having, like, a meltdown. Mm. I'm probably misremembering because I feel like I was melodramatic about everything as a kid, but I don't know. Hmm. I do remember trying to press that tiny reset button. Um, I think we had like a special screwdriver we'd use. Oh, nice. nice. But it was, it seems to me, and maybe I'm not remembering correctly, like the reset button wouldn't be as much of an issue as like if the battery died. Yeah, because they, they use the watch batteries. Right? Okay. I was like, I don't think I'm misremembering that. And it's like, I don't even buy AA batteries. How am I going to get a watch battery for my Tamagotchi? Yeah, yeah. I didn't even change out a watch battery. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, that's funny. That is funny. Yeah, anyways, I'm glad we kind of covered that because I, I wanted to go over kind of what they looked like a little bit. So it was kind of like an eggish shape is um, the way a lot of websites will describe it. But they had ones that would be like solid colors or translucent. Mm -hmm. And then it would have like a tiny computer screen, like a teeny tiny screen where like a pixelated image of the creature. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to go into what it was all called, like its official name and everything here in a second. But then you would look at that on the screen and there were buttons that you'd press kind of like a Game Boy. So I'd work it, but a teeny tiny Game Boy. <laughs> right. I distinctly like it's, it, I would say it does look like an egg, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but I remember, you know, right as you were saying that, it it reminded me of McDonald's. I think even McDonald's yes. had, like, versions of it as well. So. Yeah, and I remember having a few of those and them being, like, red, like, for the McDonald's or whatever, red and yellow. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, do you want to jump into it? Yeah, sure. Let's go ahead. Awesome. So this is 
Tamagotchi. Um, there are a couple of people credited with the creation of Tamagotchis. Um, some sources state that um, the name Tamagotchi itself is a combination of the Japanese words tamago. Tamago means egg. And the word tamodachi, which means friend. Um, but other people claim it's a combination of tamago and the English word watch, which I think either way you've got a valid argument. And I feel like it could even be a bit of both were involved in that name there. Um, for you. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this company, Wiz Toys, and Wiz Toys designer Akirio Yokoi and Aki Meta, who was a low-level clerical worker at Bandai. <clears throat> so Bandai is the toy manu- manufacturing company. Um, that's sort of the umbrella for the Tamagotchi right. toy distributor. They have different designer toy designers under the manufacturing brand right yeah exactly yeah. so um uh this creator aki meta wanted a toy that would work with the small amount of space that she had at home and also just kind of fit in with her busy work and social life um the tamagotchi had a prosthetic of presence that made it less of a toy and more of just like an extension of yourself so like you mentioned you had it on your keychain it's just kind of a part of your daily life um duke university anthropology wow let me try that again duke university anthropology professor ann allison um told vice um she kind of created that prosthetic of presence language um to tie it to tamagotchi um i think that idea is really unique david did you want to say something yeah i was like it's just making me think of like how we think of our phones as of now yeah. as an extension of ourselves so yeah 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 I don't know. Aren't we like walking 5G now or something? Is that what I'm hearing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so we, so we think. <laughs> Might give us an answer. Um, I'm just like, whatever will just suddenly make me know every other language. I'm kind of all for it. Right. <laughs> Put it in my brain. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um. So the intimate connection, like between, um, uh, like people and this sort of piece of technology, was um, the dream of the co-creator of the Tamagotchi, Akihiro, um, who was touched by a television commercial in which a boy is packing for vacation and he puts his pet turtle in his suitcase like, oh, Franklin, you're coming with us. (laughs) Um, And, like, I love that, like, I don't know. I, you, I, I don't know if you watch Shark Tank, but the audience knows that I do. And mm-hmm. you see people on there all the time with like the wackiest rationales for like how they came up with something. Right. I'm like, this is so to the point. <laughs> um, like you can't just bring, you know, your pet with you if you're traveling on a plane or somewhere. Like it's not as simple as putting it in your suitcase. Right. 
Um, and so inspiration began. Yeah. Um, that's a line of line of inspiration that can't be like, that's a heck of a commercial for somebody to get inspired by. I wonder what the commercial was about or like what it was promoting or whatever. Oh yeah. 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 I know. I guess I just assumed it was like a travel commercial. (laughs) Like, Mm-hmm. Expedia, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but Akiriho um, also decided she had to come up with a cute toy that could break into the lucrative but tough to crack market of teenage girls. Oh, okay. I, I think what's interesting here is like the article I read doesn't explicitly say this, but. These creators, they're in tune with the idea that a lot of young girls are inclined to nurture, care. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I think, you know, all we should try to instill that, like, in all kids, but um, totally understand. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> like, this market where it's, like, untapped, you're trying to... Um, you know, sell a new idea to a mass audience that doesn't have this product. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think that they tried to ta- target teenage girls specifically and not like both boys and girls. I wonder what that rationale was. Because the teenage girls, I, I don't know. Uh, I think that they do. Um, I don't know, require a certain, especially of that age, like trying to like keep before cell phones were a thing and, um, the attention was drawn to that automatically. Um, like we, we talked about, uh, Ken, Kendall not too long ago. Um, and like, I'm just thinking of like, what Tamagotchi would be competing against. Like, he would be competing against Barbies and things like that. And so, yeah, I guess that is a tough market to crack. Because uh, I'm trying to think of, like, what what idea would just be just a, a mind-blower for young teenage girls. And I'm like, I know, because you're too old for dolls at that point. Like, makeup, but, like, okay, like, what else? <laughs> um... <laughs> I think what's interesting, too, is, like, I think it's cool that, yes, this, like, centers around, like, caring for something artificial, keeping it alive, like, the concept of it, but it's also technology, and I don't know, like, I probably should have looked this up, but I honestly didn't think about it until just now, like, how much technology was actually really marketed towards girls, you know, like, um, so I don't know. I'm just thinking like today I learned that like, if you're a woman and I like one of my IT programs, like apparently it's just like, um, not usually traditional for women to go into IT, which I'm like, okay, kind of see it, but like every woman I know uses a computer at her job, like, I don't know. I, it's almost like this initiated, like, wait a second, girls, like, they 
understand what technology is capable of just as much as anybody else. Right, right. I wonder, yeah, it's weird divvying it up between teenage girls and teenage boys. What, what boys would be into the action figures, I would assume. Well, I mean, by the time you're, like, 13, though, you're not, like, really playing with action figures. Like, I feel like boys have, like, sports that gets targeted towards them. True. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I was, like, bikes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, something athletic. That's that's a good. I don't know. I'm thinking back because, well, once you're 13, you're probably in. I don't know, sixth, seventh grade. Yeah, yeah. That does sound like the time that we got ushered off of action figures because I was playing with like wrestling action figures back in the day. With my friend Bill and <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah I don't know what I was video games video games after that so, yeah yeah I think that was that was our go to afterwards so speaking of technology <laughs> <laughs> oh so anyways so um Yokoi and Meta um worked together to um ultimately design the Tamagotchi. I really only included this specific date because the month and day are my birthday. <laughs> but on November 23rd, 1996, um, a needier world was unleashed. And the two had developed an egg-shaped virtual pet that dies on its owner daily unless afforded gen- generous love, care, and attention. The toys, um, the Tamagotchis, were a huge success. Four million units were reportedly sold in Japan during their first four months on shelves. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. But it did take um, until 1997 for them to come to the U.S., Um, which is interesting because they were an instant hit once they got here. Um, on the first day of sales, which was May 1st, 1997, um, San Francisco's FAO Schwartz sold its entire stock of 3,000 by 3 p.m. Um, by noon the next day, the department store's New York flagship has had sold its initial 10,000 Tamagotchis as well. So... Yeah, and it's like over 13,000 Tamagotchis sold in one area. Wow. That's... <laughs> or two areas, I guess, but... Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of Tamagotchis. Yeah. Um, And I think, too, you know, uh, to kind of speak to that a little bit, I don't know if I included this in here. Hopefully I did somewhere. I don't remember the exact price point but i do feel like because they were small you were kind of able to talk your parent into getting you more than one so that's kind of a piece of that too i think right because see that i guess that that's where a question comes in because weren't the tamagotchis different every time you reset the tamagotchi or was it the same um 
And we're going to kind of get into the coding language in a little bit, but like, depending on what you did with the Tamagotchi, like it, it could, it's in game could be different each time. Yes. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I thought this was interesting just because it kind of gave a little, um, side bit of like what was going on at this time. Um, Bill Clinton was just sworn for his second term as president. The first Harry Potter book had just been published. Um, and Tamagotchi is just at its peak. Um, so reportedly 15 units were being sold every minute in the U.S. and Canada. I just think it's so funny. Like, to think back, I don't know. It just seems like such a different time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like a, a whole new world uh, that we mm-hmm. are living in now. It feels like exponentially it's just gotten crazier with. I, like, I guess these are kind of making a comeback, but part of me is like nervous about that because I feel like kids already put too much pressure on themselves. Like, here, keep these Tamagotchi alive. <laughs> right. I watched, uh, I watched a kids react, uh, thing the other day on YouTube. I don't know if you know. It's just like grandparents react yeah. to, I think it's just called React is what the channel is called or whatever. And I was watching these kids like play with the Tamagotchis and they were like, some of them were like totally into it, but cause it would beep at you or whatever every couple minutes or so. Um, and like half were like, Oh, this is cool. But the other half were like, this, this toy sucks. <laughs> uh, so I could see. I can see half of half of those Tamagotchis being played with for a little bit and then um definitely thrown to the side the other minute, so <laughs> Yeah, it's like here you go, keep it alive. No one tells you that that's impossible. Right. <laughs> Don't look away from it. Um that's Yeah, that's funny. Um, This next point we kind of already hit on, but um, Tamagotchi had... um, Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm a liar. (laughs) Um, But Tamagotchi had animated adaptations um, featuring a variety of popular characters and several different iterations. So this was actually something I learned in doing this research. I guess, like, I didn't realize, like, there were different... Tamagotchi characters, like, which makes sense that each egg would potentially be a different character, but then it's also like, I guess each little Tamagotchi can turn out differently too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Many different iterations. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, during the initial Tamagotchi craze, there was like a anime that was only in Japan, um, featuring the characters, Um, But the most popular anime version um, was in the West, and it was a show called Let's Go Tamagotchi, which I have never seen, (laughs) even though it spawned a sister show called Just Tamagotchi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then those shows were um, spun off into a few different animated movies. Um, 
Tamagotchi the movie and then Tamagotchi happiest story in the universe. Oh, wow. <laughs> I even realize it this uh, for some reason my man, my mind's going to Hamtaro. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, Shannon, that's a that's like a cheeky anime about these hamsters and Oh. Just, you, maybe uh, I have heard that. Yeah, okay. The hamster Ah, it's such a good one. Look, look it up later. Okay. Uh, but it, all these, because Hamtaro had a whole bunch of movies too. Like just talking about that one anime movie I went to go watch the other day. It's like, oh my god, they're doing this for toys as well. Like they had their own expanded universe, <laughs> like, it's like Marvel or something. I kind of like appreciate that though. I love a good world building. <laughs> right, like Beanie, ba- Beanie Babies, or what was, uh, Furbies did it too. Yeah, and Furby so, World, whatever, I don't know, I'm here for it. Right, so am I. Um, so to get into the Tamagotchi lore, <laughs> folklore, um, so for real, like, there really is, like, this fictionalized backstory to them where the Tamagotchi were discovered by this hopeless romantic professor um, named Bonzo. (laughs) Professor (laughs) Bonzo. He had just been dumped for the hundredth time. And while he was wandering by the Sumida River feeling sorry for himself, he heard a splash nearby and suddenly discovered a UFO full of alien creatures. The Tamagotchi. Oh wow! It's a hell of a I feel like you got paid to come up with that. <laughs> That's what I'm wondering too. I'm sure somebody just came up with it like on the spot, <laughs> just to throw right. something on the packaging. Listen, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but sometimes I'm just like in a room, like for an event or whatever, and they're like, "Okay, y'all, we're gonna brainstorm." And I'm like, you want me to brainstorm with, like, all these people I don't know? And I feel like this is what you end up with when you do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, I was like, I don't hear for it. Why not? Right. Um, so Professor Bonzo discovered that the Tamagotchi couldn't survive um, on Earth's atmosphere. So um, I guess... He also has an assistant, which makes sense as a professor. And he has his assistant help him build these, like, egg-shaped casings to protect the Tamagotchi from the dangerous air. (laughs) (laughs) Like, damn, like, they really went into this. Um, Yeah, and, and, you know, even this is so unique about it. So, like, it goes so far as, like, one human day like for us is about a year for a tamagotchi their home planet is about a million light years from earth and when a comet when a tamagotchi dies um and turns into its angelic form it's actually flying back to its home oh <laughs> that's sad so, in case you were wondering, yes, you are colonizing the Tamagotchi. We are spreading them. They're going to assimilate. They're going to imprint on us like 
Shannon's pig didn't to her. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, that's funny. Wow, that's interesting, actually. I never really thought about that, but, like, I guess people really do it. Like, I, I've always thought about it as people assimilating, but... People really do assimilate their pets, like, when they go to show them, like, whether it's, like, a dog or cat show or horse show, like, people go all out, like, I don't know, it's just interesting to think about, <laughs> like, we as people, we have, as people already have to, like, adapt and change our ways of thinking so much to fit into society and have society understand us. And for people who, you know, grew up in other cultures and then come to the U.S., it really is like this game of trying to assimilate or fail. I don't know. And I hate that it's like that. Um, But it's really interesting to think about how that metaphor can also be related to this whole other conversation of artificial intelligence and um how we as people are determining how we're gonna assimilate that right that's interesting that they tried to do that with the toy maybe like the precursor maybe it'll be looked back on as a precursor to like um, super intelligent AI or whatever. Have you ever heard of that one story of like the scientist turning on a, a supercomputer and it like gaining sentience and they had to like turn it off? Yes, that's um Kurt Vonnegut, right? I think so. And like just thinking that Tamagotchi's a precursor to that, um, uh, it's kind of a little scary. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just interesting how quick we are were as kids to just be like, okay, I got to keep this thing alive. I don't know anything about it other than I'm supposed to press these buttons. But if it does, I'm going to throw a huge fit and be super emotional about it. Like, right. how do you, like, I don't know, with artificial intelligence, it's like, how do we expect children to process that like i truly don't have an answer right me either it's uh the cyber nature of it i don't know it's just it, it makes me think because like kids mm, go through developmental like a child development you're supposed to go certain things to certain things to certain things like like right. we're talking about like babies like you gotta crawled you gotta walk you gotta you know get your balance or whatever um and then like whatever like teenager like human development thinking at larger terms like you're supposed to i don't know in school like start having more complex emotions and things like that and um like when a parent like when a parent dies or something like let's just take like a case study like when a parent dies or something and a kid ex experiences that um, or maybe that was a bad example. Like, say their Tamagotchi dies, 
um, but they were like really close with it or whatever. Like you expect these kids to have like the stages of grief or whatever. Uh, what the five stages of, uh, I don't know, accepting a problem. I don't, I don't remember the exact phrasing for it, but it's like anger, grief, um, acceptance, denial, yeah. and something like that. Like thinking that a Tamagotchi could, enact that in a kid like it's just a, a weird thought to have like it does a wrench into their whole development and then it's weird because like i know i would definitely feel sad if my tamagotchi died but like then when sins rolled around i was totally fine just like putting them in a room with like no doors or windows. <laughs> My sister was playing Sims 4 yesterday, so very relevant. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's... I think it's funny to think about because I feel like every once in a while we have to question if we're in a simulation, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it it pops into my mind. <laughs> don't think about that too long, but you got to let it pop up once in a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so a 1997 article, um, I just wanted to point out the year because that was like the year these were released. Um, from the New York Times sheds light on the Tamagotchi threshold. Um, children who are nurturing the tiny Tamagotchi cyber pet a popular Japanese digital toy that went on sale in the United States three weeks ago as of this article are discovering that virtual death can be nearly as traumatizing as the real thing. Christine Glickerman said that her son, nine-year-old Keith, cried hysterically and went crazy when his Tamagotchi expired. Susan Gleedman described her daughter Mia also nine, as extremely sad and depressed over the demise of her Tamagotchi. Um, I just thought that was funny. Like, those are direct quotes in that news article. <laughs> oh. Wow. Poor kids. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they should have to. <laughs> uh, not saying that you shouldn't be a cat, like a trying to get I don't know the your venture out there like growing your business or whatever but like I don't know the foresight of somebody nobody had any foresight into what this would do like especially like because just like small like intangible things Sorry, our our cat's going crazy. I'll <laughs> have to let him out here in a second. But... No, my dog hears it. He's uh. like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, kitty. Okay, yeah. Sorry about the cat. <laughs> um. So this kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, and our our reset button stories. So there was like this tiny reset button that you could use, but it would hatch like a new creature. Um, <clears throat> the one that died is gone forever. Um, the Japanese version of the Tamagotchi um, shows them demise with like a gravestone and a cross. 
Um, and then when it came to the U.S., they, like, flew, like, away with angel wings, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Or there were, like, angel wings that popped up to symbolize that it was dead because I guess we can't handle gravestones. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, That's funny. I do remember. It's making me think of, like... Especially when I was a kid, I was like, I thought you had to keep buying it before I figured about the reset button, which by that time we had like three Tamagotchis, or I had three Tamagotchis, um, before I learned about the reset button. So I know, I know. I just like perpetually had one, the one or two that were dead for a while until I figured out about the (laughs) reset button. So mine were, had the angel wings. I remember very distinctly. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, in an interview with the New York Times, one school psychologist um, did share fears that Tamagotchi could be problematic to kids' mental health. The toy creates a real sense of loss and mourning and um, that those processes. Um Dr. Andrew Cohen said, um, he goes on to say that kids want to nurture and take care of pets. It gives them a feeling of empowerment and self-importance, but here the consequences are just too high and it's out of control because like, since each Tamagotchi is different, it's like the expectations of each Tamagotchi are different in a sense. Like, right. <laughs> um, I thought this was funny. Um, so it's become like an actual, like psychological term, the Tamagotchi effect. So the Tamagotchi effect is the development of emotional attachment with machines, robots, or software agents. Um, it has been noticed that humans tend to attach emotionally to things that which otherwise do not have any emotions. Um, do you, did you ever use, um, AOL instant messenger? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I remember there would be like these AIM bots and you'd like message them and then message you back. And like, I don't know. I, I feel like that is part of where this really starts. Um, I think that Tamagotchi definitely comes into it. Um, right. It's making me think of, um, like, I have an emotional attachment to the Adobe programs just because I use them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, just because my uh, – would that count? I have some type of an emotional attachment to uh, Adobe Acrobat PDF Reader. <laughs> oh, but, like, here's my thing with that. Like, I'm, I'm not sure of, like, what the restrictions on emotional attachment are. Like, I don't know. Like, I enjoy my phone. I, I find it very useful. If, like, someone came and smashed it, I'd be mad at them, but I wouldn't feel, like, sad that my phone is broken. I'd get a new phone, you know? Right. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Fair enough. I remember when I went to actually last time I went to upgrade my phone. Um, I had I got this deal where I could trade in my old one, and the guy at the store was like, "Do you want to say goodbye to it?" What? <laughs> and That's I was scary. like, "No." <laughs> Get out of here. It's a phone that doesn't hold a battery charge anymore. It's useless. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to say uh, goodbye to it? <laughs> so, I don't know. I was trying to, like, off the top of my head, think of something else. Um, my old friend Cindy in Chicago, she named her, like, Robot Vacuum. I feel like that's kind of close. Like, the Robot Vacuum come to, comes to life and, like, rolls around like i feel like those things have little personalities and i'd probably be sad if someone stepped on one or something yeah, yeah <laughs> it's so expensive yeah i would right? be like my roomba <laughs> yeah i don't know i'm trying to think of something else like i don't know i don't know that i've seen like a um human enough robot to like have compassion there yet but are you okay yeah sorry our cat is being so crazy right now <laughs> and i can't i can't stand it there's <laughs> this fly in our room and it's just going crazy no my cat's the same way with flies he's like i'm gonna get it yeah exactly Sorry, don't don't pay attention to me. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm trying to think of some other software like thing. I was like, like, see, and that brings like, I don't know, like, I I loved my gaming station, like my my PlayStation, like it would always give me comfort in some sort of way, like because that's how I would like not disassociate but like try to de-stress from the day and yeah so like i love my playstation that it like provided that to me i'm curious if that's the emotional attachment thing that comes into play or um like does that is that considered an emotional attachment me to my ps4 or something but yeah, nothing else I can't really think of. Yeah, I don't know. I That's going to leave me thinking for a little bit. I'm going to be thinking about that. Um, <laughs> This is great. This is where we start to get wild in. Um, <laughs> in 1998, at the height of the Tamagotchi craze, um, a pet cemetery in the English countryside um, dedicated a section of its real estate to um dead tamagotchi (laughs) (laughs) who were placed into little wooden coffins and lowered like six inches or so into the ground (laughs) (laughs) not six feet (laughs) and then they would get like little placards with their name (laughs) And their owners would leave tiny flowers, and um, the cemetery owner said he had buried Tamagotchi bodies for devotees from Switzerland, Germany, France, Canada, and the United States. Um, 
That same year, in 1998, Tamagotchi were also um, packaged in clay urns. Oh, God. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, People seem to glob onto that. Like, I think what's interesting about this is, like, it's more than an addiction. It's like, um, they pointed out the beginning, it's an extension of yourself, but it's also just, like, I think, and and maybe you get this with video games, like, you invest so much of your time into something, it's, it really becomes a piece of you, you know? Like... I know there's like video games where people do that. For me, I'm like that with TV shows. Um, so I could see this, you know, but I'm like, is it outrageous and outlandish? Yes, but I also kind of get it. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. To think, cause there's, there's some video games that it's like called like permadeath where like, once you die there's this one video game i'm thinking about it's called watchdogs legion and it's like the premise of the game is like it's it's set in the future and you're a hacker and you're supposed to build up an army of people uh to overthrow the government and uh with each character like if they die they die and so like whatever abilities you may have had with said character like if they die, they die, and, like, so you don't get them back, and you don't get to use their abilities anymore, so it's, like, making me think of, like, yeah, I would be sad, like, I remember being sad one time that my, like, I just got backed into a corner or something, and um, my character died, and I was like, damn, now I can't use them anymore. This is really yeah. sad. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a really good example um, I don't know, like, I, I think, yeah, anyways, so, to keep going, because I think there's just so many different trails, rabbit holes here to think about, but, um, I think to kind of go back to what we were questioning originally. Um, so I read an article that explained that um, Tamagotchi users did, like a lot of them quickly learned how to modify their Tamagotchi. Mm-hmm. Um, people could extend the virtual little pet's life um, by removing the um, Tamagotchi's batteries or like we were saying earlier, using a pencil graphite to trigger a debugging signal. Um, I liked the way David explained that much better, like where you have a mechanical pencil (laughs) instead of just graphite. Um, So by pressing certain combinations of the control keys on the Tamagotchi, um, Different interesting things can happen. Um, but I read this article where they were like, not everyone approves of hacking the Tamagotchi. I'm just like, what is this world? David. It's immoral or something. Like, what the hell? I don't even understand. So, one of the. I read this article that was like one of the Tamagotchi's most loyal adherents is Natalie Silvanovich, a 29 year old um, 
information security engineer on Google Android security team and an off-duty, quote, Tama hacker. So, like, y'all, David, <laughs> like, there's this whole Tama world that, like, still exists. And so I feel like you have, like, Tamagotchi lore proper where you had, like, this professor and his assistant find these aliens and create the egg hums for them. But then you have, like, I don't even know, like, fan fiction. <laughs> on the world like <laughs> i looked when you mentioned that the other day i went and googled it it looks essentially like reddit but for tamagotchis yeah and there's like literally like threads like there are on reddit and like people are still posting in there today like it is wild and so like so like it's um there's these different Tama worlds or like threads you can go into and like these people just identify as like Tama whatever. So like Silvanovich, she's a Tama hacker. Um, as a child, she and one of her friends would track their pet's behavior by drawing pixels on a graph. Um, and she said one day, um, she grew up and realized I am an adult. I can figure this out. <laughs> um, so that's what she told a Vice News reporter. Um, and so over the past few years, she tracked down um, what she calls a Tamago, a larger version of the 90s classic. Um, she tracked one down at Walmart um, and one of the Tamagotchi friends models um, she found at Toys R Us. She took both of those Tamagotchi and figured out how to dump the codes from both of them. Um, and essentially jokes that like, there's all these deep burning questions about the Tamagotchi. Like, how does it turn into like a boy or a girl or whatever character it's going to become? Um, and she, like, tinkered with the Tamagotchi circuit board um, and was able to direct some of the Tamagotchi's actions. But um, she found that by, like, um, exploring through exploring the code that, like, some outcomes of your Tamagotchi you could control over, like, certain button patterns and maneuvers. But other outcomes were still just, like, purely random from the code, I guess. I'm not super familiar with programming, um, but I still think that's super fascinating. Yeah. Programming is, uh, I can only imagine how many like different little programming things they had to do with, uh, right. with uh, like making sure it beeps or whatever, like whenever it gets hungry or, you know, whatever the hell. Um, I can only imagine the work that kind of went into that. The most I know how to do programming is to make um, battlefield or battleship, randomized battleship. That's as far as my programming knowledge goes. So, yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd be interested to hear if anyone like programs toys. Shout at us. What's your life like? <laughs> um. 
so <laughs> um by salsa frowned um a volunteer at the Tamagotchi online website, so like a volunteer moderator, basically. This guy, Brian Lamandola. And he goes, even though it's wrong, unfortunately, many people do still try to tinker with the code. Like, who are you? He goes, Tamagotchi are similar to real children in a way. You take care of them both basically the same. You cannot cheat a child's life, so why would you do it to a Tamagotchi? Why? Gatekeeper. Um, he... Okay, there was another hacker, a Tama hacker, Yumeto Funahashi, um, who said, We care about the Tamagotchi, but they return to their home planet. Referring to the English version of the Tamagotchi death script, I want to stop its return to the planet. <laughs> um, so... Funa, Funa Ashi has produced um, a number of different mutations in his pets, such as prolonged life extension. Um, official documentation says that the lifespan of um, Tamagotchi is 23 years old, but um, hackers like Funa Ashi have gotten past 30, and some people have even gotten them to live up to 99 years. The maximum length um, um, biologically possible in the Tamagotchi digital universe. Oh, okay. hundred. It's probably where, days. like, yeah, where it cuts off. <laughs> no more. <laughs> um, so alongside the 20th anniversary release, um, which happened in 2017, um, and the 20th anniversary release was pretty much an exact replica of the first generation toys originally released in 96. Um, but when that was happening, Bandai announced that they had sold 82 million Tamagotchis as of September 2017. Um, 40 million Tamagotchis were sold um, in the first three years of the release alone. So, I don't really know what that means if this article, like, went back and looked at what that means today. Um, oh, I guess they're saying, never mind, I'm stupid. So, Bandai announced that they had sold 82 million Tamagotchis as of September 2017. So, that's since 1997. Mm -hmm. But what's wild is... Like until two, like ninety seven to two thousand, there were like forty million Tamagotchi sold. Wow, that's wild. More than sorry, more I than said that real confusingly. <laughs> we came back at the end. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, that's a yeah, lot of Tamagotchis. Yeah. That's a lot of Tamagotchis for three years. Forty million, because no. it's probably like a couple suckers like myself who probably got like two or three. Whenever they're died, right? Because I remember them being when, pretty cheap. Same. Um, what's interesting to me though is like, oh no! Like until we did this podcast, and like, I don't know. I know I saw one in Turning Red, but I genuinely can't think of like the last time I had thought about a Tamagotchi. Like it had just kind of wiped from my memory. I don't know about you. But, um, 
I don't know. It's it's wild to me that all this time, like they've still been happening. You know. Yeah, it's crazy to think, like, because you know, whenever I was doing my research for it the other day. Um, I came across, uh, what was called scanners, um, scanners being like, it was kind of like Tamagotchi, but you would just go scan a barcode and like another, like Tamagotchi essentially would pop up on it and each like little, you know, thing that you scanned had a different, um, monster or something to go with it and. Yeah, That's so, cool. yeah, it was super cool. Scanners with a Z. Oh, cool. Yeah, I feel like I remember that now. Yeah, it was pretty wild, pretty wild. I remember being pretty, um, going to a store with that and scanning everything I could so I could collect these monsters. Okay, that's what I was wondering. So you could just scan just anything? Mm-hmm, yeah. That's cool. That would be so fun. Right. <laughs> You should go get some. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of like, I'll be at the store anyways. Right. I love how dramatic your cat is. What's your cat's name? Xavier. Or not oh. Xavier, excuse me. Um, Jasper. Jasper. Okay. Yeah, Xavier was our previous <laughs> kitty. Yeah. <laughs> probably going Jas- to take a nap here soon. Making biscuits. Um, yeah, you know, while we're thinking about Jasper, just real quick, because, like, I wanted to ask you this, and I guess I forgot or didn't even think to put it in here, but, like, Mm -hmm. do you think having a Tamagotchi prepared you for having, like, a real pet? No. No. (laughs) No way whatsoever. Animals are a little bit more harder to take care of. Because we yeah. have to go get their food and shit. <laughs> and they keep living. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. What about you, Shannon? Did, did uh, your Tamagotchi prepare you for raising Pedro or your cat, Jameson? Definitely uh, not. Um, I feel like I do find Pedro less annoying than the robot dog. <laughs> I do, too. Um, and, but I don't know, like, that's not to say I don't feel like that there have been parts of technology that I feel like have helped prepare me to care and, you know, learn things and how to be more mindful in being caring. Um, and so, like, I mean, I am thinking of, like, the sims and like certain tasks you could do in that game or like roller coaster tycoon zoo tycoon like those kinds of games mm-hmm. um now that i think about it zoo tycoon that was a game i could get really invested in um did you ever play that i played roller coaster tycoon like religiously yeah, so Zoo Tycoon is very similar, except in roller coasters, you build animal exhibits. Mm-hmm. Um, but your animals, like, can mate and stuff and have babies. So, like, um, I don't know. Like, I, I do, I would say with that game, like, I would get really attached. Like, if I had two lions and they had, like, a baby lion cub, like, hey, that happened in my game. Like, I am attached to that baby lion, you know? Uh, so I guess in that sense, I think, I don't know. It was just interesting how 
technology, simulated care versus real care. Like, I don't know. This is not where I was expecting this to go. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like parents maybe would have been like, oh, if you keep your Tamagotchi alive for X amount of days, we'll get you like a cat or something. Like, I feel like parents did that, tried to pull that shtick. Clearly not. There has to be at least one story of that going on. And then the kids Maybe. get a puppy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> well, so, um, during the 20th anniversary release, I think, like, it didn't just come back into the U.S. It um, resurged, Tamagotchi resurged into several countries, also including parts of um, Europe and Asia. Um, Bandai continued to highlight the strength of the Tamagotchi brand outside of Japan. Um, 60% of the 82 million Tamagotchi sold were actually sold across more than 50 different countries, which is also kind of fascinating. Yeah, it's a lot. And I think it's interesting, too, because... I'm trying to remember, like, I don't think the game really had that many words. Like, if it even had any, it was mostly just, like, functions that you did. So it's kind of, like, interesting to think that, like, at some point, probably in, like, 2001, 2002, a bunch of kids, like, all over the world, we were all doing the exact same thing on our Tamagotchi. Um... So maybe we can use that to come together again. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, f- from memory, I believe it was just like eat, play, and I don't know, wait or something. Like those were the only three words that were options that you could choose from or like gifts. Oh, yes, yes. But yeah, nonetheless. Um, so I did look into this just because we did kind of do this for, um, the Furby and Erring Magic Ken. Um, so dedicated collectors pay large amounts for some of the rarer, um, Tamagotchi models. Um, there's a model called the Devil Davici, Devil Gachi, <laughs> for instance. Oh. Um, it's a very rare Tamagotchi, um, and it goes for around $400, like, on auction sites. Um, one of the most elusive Tamagotchis ever is actually, like, a very less-than-impressive-looking white-and-red Tamagotchi. Like, I want to say, if I'm remembering, it's just, like, half-white and half-red. Like, it's not even translucent. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> it's sold for like almost $3,000. So oh, wow. there's that. <laughs> that's, um, that's a lot of money for a small. Yeah. That, if if I saw a white and red one, I would probably be like, Ew, I don't want that one. <laughs> yeah. So I thought this was interesting. So like with the um, re-release, um, in America, Bandai sells Tamagotchi in a larger package um, because they want the buyer to believe it's worth the price. So I guess there's like this new version that's $60. So 
It comes in just bigger packaging. You're going to open it and have the same size device. I was just like, wow. Oh, Marketing wow. rhetoric is so sad. I <laughs> <laughs> um, Like, I get it. Fair enough. You got to do what you got to do. But, oh, all that plastic. Right. Yeah. Um, Yikes. Oh, and then we're kind of going to go, like, I don't even know if we'll all understand this next bit, but I was like, Mattel is another toy company. We're going to figure out where they're involved here. So let's find out. Um, so actually in 1999, um, Bandai, the toy company, um, that produces Tamagotchi announced an alliance with Mattel, who at the time was the largest toy maker in the U.S., um, and obviously the maker of Barbie. Um, since that deal in 1999, um, I guess this article um, was written in, like, the early 2000s, so just keep that in mind, like, at the time um, – after mer or aligning with Mattel, Bandai's shares jumped 7.8%. Um, and that was actually like a pretty strong increase um, compared to the rest of the market that was falling during that time. Um, Bandai's shares closed at 2,090 yen, which is like $17.92. Um, whenever this was in the early 2000s, um, but some analysts were saying that, um, the alliance between Mattel and Bandai could, um, push the shares up higher. Um, and so I just kind of thought that was interesting. Like, I almost wish they'd make like a movie about this, like who or where it was involved, like, what was it? thought process there like not that I don't understand it or anything I would just be interested in like you have this struggling toy company like what was Mattel's incentive kind of a thing like I'd be curious about that right yeah now it did say like um, during the time that they were um, in an alliance uh, Bandai and Mattel um marketed each other's toys so um mattel has their company in latin america where bandai didn't have a presence at all so that gave bandai um kind of a face um and uh the latin america populations oh, i see so they did marketing for each other in their respective yeah. countries countries oh my god i cannot speak did and i'm marketing. sure they probably had like reps and stuff and all the different offices you know like i'm right. sure your bandai in japan there's like a mattel rep in that office too you know yeah. um but yeah the deal also gave um bandai access to the increasingly hot area of electronic commerce in the u.s um, which is also really interesting because I think we actually mentioned this a couple episodes ago. I was telling you, um, 
about Pam and Tommy and how um, Seth Rogen is the character that initiates selling the sex tape online. And that's really one of, like, the first, like, entrepreneurial, like, worldwide web endeavors, you know, when you think about it. (laughs) Grassroots. (laughs) Um, And so I thought that was interesting that through this deal – um, Bandai was able to um, partner with Mattel and the new website that they were launching. They were able to get to be a part of that. Um, there were talks about um, developing products together. I'm not really sure um, where they landed on that. Um, but, yeah, I'm, we had to talk about Mattel. <laughs> yeah. Mattel getting caught up in so many different things on this show. Ooh, I'm glad I asked this question, though, because I was actually just talking about this with a student the other day. Um, Have you seen the Ryan Reynolds movie, Free Guy? It's funny you mention that. Yes, yes, I have. I I watched it just a couple weeks ago. Nice. Okay, so I probably watched it, like, a month ago, but I really enjoyed it in, like, a way that really caught me off guard. Um, Like, the concept, you know, is he is, um, like, an NPC, a non-computer player character in a video game, and um, I thought that was really interesting to think about in conjunction with Tamagotchi, because... There's all these little AI worlds we've, we've mentioned, Sims, the tycoons, and they all have these people, right? These, like, little side characters who are wandering around, and it's like, I don't know. It's just interesting to me how different technologies create different emotive connections to things. And it's like, I don't know, for me personally, I can't pinpoint, like, a particular technology that made me particularly empathetic. Hmm. But I can tell you that all of them, I tested the limits. (laughs) It's making me think of, so, I don't know, you know, Red, Red, Red Dead Redemption? Too. Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, so they have this like mechanic in it where like you can lock on to a non-player character and either greet them or like chastise them, and they react a certain way. I'm just like thinking about the like what in connection with what you said. The um, I don't know the feelings that I don't know, it creates whenever you interact that way. Like there's also another one that's called simply bully and, um, it's in a very similar way, but you lock onto these NPCs and you can like bully them. (laughs) I know, I know it sounds bad. It was actually a pretty fun game though. But you know what? Like yesterday I was having such a bad day. I was like, I really just want to like make someone feel like shit. (laughs) <laughs> I stop like thinking that and then I was like no I don't because I don't want to make anyone else feel like how I feel 
And like, I just kind of like, I don't know, question that thought that had raced through my mind. I don't know. Like, would I get like a release I need from a game? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like my sister, she, she plays the good cowboy in Red Dead Redemption and she'll, she'll always like greet them and treat them with respect and things like that and like have good honor. And I was like, damn, looking good. I, I play video games to get away from that. It's more like a simulation of being a cowboy than anything else, but still having an honor, honor scale would, I don't know, sway some people to either be good or to be bad. So, yeah, not okay. So, there are a lot of games where, like, especially as a kid, I was like, I needed structure like i okay i gotta do this then i'll do this and then i'll do this so like in sims it's like okay i got my sim we have to build you a house now you have to get a job blah 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 so the first time i think i ever played um a gta game was like just a couple years ago and like Nintendo just kind of handed me the controller and i just like drove around and i was like there's no there is no goal. Like, I just can do this and, like, go shoot at things. Like, what's this name? Like, just go really fast, run from the cops. Like, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like, I don't know. The psychology of it all is just, like, blowing me away right now in a way I didn't really think would come up today. <laughs> yeah. There are some people who will automatically go with the the bad way because that's not who they are yeah exactly want to test it out yeah it's interesting maybe you should that'd be good i don't know well shannon um is that is that all we have for our research do you want to get into our closing segments yeah, and I'm sorry. I might hope that research was a lot better. I hope y'all learned a lot. <laughs> oh, I certainly did. I, certainly, I didn't realize that's how many were sold. That's uh, quite a lot, especially in the yeah. first three years, 40 million. And all over the world. Like, I just, I don't know, it's, there's something kind of precious about thinking about how there were just a bunch of kids our age and, you know, early 2000s and, like, all over the world all just doing the same thing with our Tamagotchi. Right, right. Special. Well, let's get into thinking gap. Maybe we can think about it a little bit more. Um, so we, we kind of have talked about this first question a little bit, but yeah. did Tamagotchi instigate our addiction to technology? I think it facilitated it. I don't, yeah. I think I it prepared us to become slaves to our phones or whatever. Because so I can see that. I I remember a few people who, like my sisters, they were obsessed with it comparatively with myself. Like, I was... I wasn't like, yeah, I had one, but it wasn't like my life or death. That's why they kept dying. <laughs> but... um yeah, I, th I think yeah. it would help facilitate that because then it went to, you know, video games and then it went on to my phone. And so I don't know. I would say I was addicted to video games. So it really, I don't know. 
makes you, it start it starts making you think of what led what other addictions do I have uh comparatively with like you know flesh or whatever I don't know I don't know I think I asked this question but it's also like is it even fair to say we're addicted to technology I almost feel like it's just a necessity at this point too you know it's like here you go here's a Tamagotchi get ready for the rest of your life right yeah here's the metaverse (laughs) (laughs) yeah um what about the second one do you think there should be a separate set of ethics for the way people treat lifelike robotics um oh that's a that's a better question i I like that one yeah Um, i think about robot ethics a lot especially since westworld i haven't i've only watched the first season of that show i thought it was really well done um but yeah, like anytime anytime I see the Boston Dynamics robots come on and they're like trying to push the robot dog over the pack mule one over, I'm like, oh like why are you pushing the why are you pushing this robot like that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like to test it out, but I'm like, damn, like you can be a little nicer shit. It's interesting because I um, it makes me think of the way, um, is it, there's like Jedi and then there's the other thing and there's one of the things doesn't like the droids. Um. Right? And Star Wars? <laughs> no, you, I think you're thinking of the Sith and the Jedi. Like they hate one another. Oh, but there's some, I thought there was like a group that doesn't like droids. Yeah, yeah, the clone clones, I guess. They don't like the droids. Yeah, yeah, because they're essentially this, used as the same thing, the same function. Like, clones can do the same things as robots can, or the droids can. But then it's interesting, because you see Star Wars, and even, like, R2-D2, who doesn't say any words, like, you still love R2-D2, you know? Right, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and think of it as like a pet, like a Tamagotchi would be. Like, I think it was R2-D2 being the pet of Anakin, C-3PO, and R2-D2 being the pets of Anakin, or whatever, or Luke in the latter half. So, hmm. I don't know, like, it just, it's like... And even in the newer one, there's, like, BB-8, too. Um, but... All the Star it, Wars movies kind of have that. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously, like, these are, like, futuristic questions that are coming quicker than we thought. But... It's so funny, because part of me is, like, it's a robot. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'll smash it up, who cares? But right. then it's also... I don't know what 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 was in its like quote unquote memory, you right. know. Mm-hmm. And then we have like language like that too, right? That like kind of transcends both the technology and physical world, and we're using it to uh, like applying it to both. Like, right. what is it? Memory, hardware, like. Mm-hmm. <sighs> 
it's a little scary to think about because God knows I probably beat up on a few of my my machines. And then it's like, so say you create like a robot that is lifelike, but then someone tortures it. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Like, are they to be held responsible for something like that? Like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. The Bill of Rights for Robots. It'll happen. <laughs> It'll happen sometime in the future. Whenever we get smart robots. Well, I mean, we do like, have smart robots, but smarter robots. Do we just roll with it? It seems like it would just allow it to get smarter and smarter until it's out of control. Yeah, I know. That's what the supercomputer thing from earlier like concerns me. This podcast became nihilist real quick. <laughs> right, sure enough. Sure enough. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. That's uh, okay. Let's get into Conspiracy Corner. Uh, so this was just like a cute little um, conspiracy quirk I found. Um, it kind of goes back to uh, the Tamagotchi effect. The attachments that users formed with their Tamas may have laid the groundwork for our willingness to go out in droves and invest in cute Roomba vacuum cleaners and robot pets. In addition to smart, always listening speakers like Google Home and the Apple HomePod. Tamagotchi helped to lay the groundwork for artificial beings, which are viewed as pets or even friends. And I just mentioned, so, Cindy, have you ever seen um, Les Mis? I have not. Oh. Um, Never mind. This wouldn't be funny then. She named her Roomba after, like, one of the lamest characters but anyways it's just funny like you see this all the time though right someone just reminded me of this like a couple of days ago um the college where i work mm-hmm. i do not message or ask me the logic for this i have no idea what it was we have um a parking garage and for about a year before covid we had this robot that would monitor the parking garage and um the students just like collectively came together and like started calling the robot jeff and i was just like okay the robot's named jeff you see the robot you say hey jeff um the robot like it was really wild like it would roll around like I don't even know how to explain it. It kind of looked like an upside down ice cream cone and it would like roll around like a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would video like, um, license plates and sus- if there was like suspicious behavior in the parking garage. And I know that if you like cursed at it or yelled at it, it would like take a picture of you or something. Uh, I don't know. It was like a really sassy robot. Jeff, and it's like, even when I think back on that robot, like, I think about it in, like, human qualities. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Like, I was talking with my sister the other day about, like, what I named my car. Like, oh, yeah. Everybody names their car. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, Mine was Lillian, my first car, and then Lillian, too, is my second Lillian, too. (laughs) It's the same color, so, yeah, silver, so. Yeah. 
Do you have but a name for your car? That's a great point. I call her, like, sometimes I just call her Garnet from Steven Universe. I just really like Garnet, and it's, like, reddish. It's not quite Garnet, but I call her Garney. Garnet. Garnet. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well. Um, but that was a really good point, David. I'm really glad you brought that up. I feel like... Just throughout this evening, I'm probably going to think of even more things we do that with. And I feel like we just need to kind of start exploring that a little more and examining why we're so inclined to give, um, you know, human characteristics to technology. Yeah, that's a good that's a good takeaway. Um, I think mine, I would say, yeah, we do need to be more. Uh, <gasps> Go ahead. Sorry, but say your takeaway, but then we have like one more tiny piece to talk about. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's weird to think of like the evolution of digital addiction, uh, I guess would say. Um, But I don't know. It's hard to think that we will won't be able to go anywhere because like the just the way the future is going and how technology is progressing that we won't be able to stymie this future whatsoever like i was talking about the supercomputer earlier which really like blows my mind and that we can't keep it on for so long before it like just knows everything and that humans are garbage and uh shit like that but uh i don't know it 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 is this episode today has started to make me think of like I wasn't even think about how I didn't think about how video games like was an like there is video game addiction but like I didn't oh, yeah. I didn't think of me liking my PS4 to a point that like that was my only escape from my everyday like that's how I de stress or whatever I I didn't think about that like at all so it's curious to start thinking about these things now so but yeah yeah i don't know and so this is what i was gonna throw in just real quick so like we're gonna have links in the show notes to tama talk tama talk whatever you want to call it and like this is just like what a world like I I never really was a Tumblr girl. I knew about it. There have been some Tumblr rabbit holes I've gone down, but I never had a Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Um, I creep on Reddit. I don't really, like, post on there. But so, like, I understand the concept of, like, messaging forums. But this is, like, a whole other level. <laughs> These, like, I just clicked um, a link in Tomatalk, and this person has written out, there's, like, four or five different Tamagotchi characters they've just made up, and they're acting out this, she's, like, written out this whole scene, like, it could be a TV show, and it's, like, pages, and I'm just, like... And people are replying to her. People are have read and re- responded to this. And I am just like, what is this world? Like, I just, 
I don't know. This I'm not even quite still it, have their imagination or something. If like I even know what I'm clicking on, but people do all kinds of things in here. So there's like Tama like fanfic. There's like people selling old Tamagotchis. There's people looking for different kinds of Tamagotchis and looking for like codes and hacks and stuff like. And people are so active on here. I'm just like, what is this world? Oh <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, it says matchmaker. You can be a matchmaker for your Tamagotchi. Like. Oh, God. Like, it's just like, you'll have to look at this. Like, I, I could not believe this is like a real thing. And Oh, and they have like a memorial page. So if you're. Tamagotchi dies, you can, like, go to the memorial page and remember your Tamagotchi um, if you can't afford to go to that one country and bury it in England. (laughs) (laughs) Six inches underground instead of six feet. (laughs) Oh, shit. That's funny. All right, well... Shannon, if you don't have anything else, um, I think I was going to mention um, to the audience, consider subscribing to our Facebook and Instagram pages to know when new episodes go live. But other than that, Shannon, I was going to ask, what are we talking about next time? So I think next time we're going to kind of reflect on our past episodes, right? Yeah, it's been... Uh, we have nine and... Nine in the bag so for the second wave, so we'll have uh, quite a bit of stuff to talk about next time. Yeah, and I think we have some good ideas for stuff to come, too. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So uh, today, tuned and leave us a five-star review. Yeah, five-star review. You can be one of the 69 that we follow, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I gotta go, um, check the Instagram. (laughs) I gotta go listen to classical music with my dog. (laughs) (laughs) Watch out. Don't listen to rock music at Shannon's house. Don't do it, kids. Yeah, let's get a little crazy. Zeitgeist is a bi-weekly podcast recorded in the DFW, Austin, and San Antonio areas in the state of Texas. The podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, David Lonnie Waters. My co-host and researcher for the show is Shannon Boffman.